Do they have to get Terry Crews to create Allspice since he was Old Spice? Or are there limitations on who needs to be collected for the Spice Girls to create the almighty Allspice? Well, at least Yogi Bear needs to be a part of it. Him or Shaggy and Scoob because they know their spices. I don't know if I would want Shaggy and or Scoob as part of Allspice. Whether it's the arm or the leg that they are controlling, it will not be in sync. Guy Fieri is going to be their Zordon. If Shaggy and Scooby are involved in any capacity, it's safe to bet that all food and spice is gone. Yeah. They're stealing the power of the allspice to make it their own. Well, whatever it is they're doing, they better do it somewhere where we can see them from here at the corner of Nostalgia and Reality. Oh, whoo! Welcome to Banter Banter, everyone. Welcome back for yet another continuation of every previous episode. Yep, in our currently 97 part series on how not to do a podcast. I am here, one of your hosts, Manny. I'm also here, another one of your hosts, Aaron. I am there, your other other host, Mike. We're coming at you live from our booth in the diner at the corner of Nostalgia and Reality. Right here at the crack of dawn, you can see the sun coming up. And we decided to be the smart butts to sit at the window. Now I know what you're thinking. The crack of dawn. What is a crack? <laughs> what is it, Don? Just pulled their pants up. <laughs> I don't know, but either way, whether it's the bright light or the ass crack, Get ready to have your corneas violated, but that's fine. (laughs) Because we're an audio format podcast, so after your sight is gone, we're all you have left. We're an enema for the ears and the soul. Ooh, that's a throwback. This sounds like a dystopian fear factor. First, we'll burn your eyes, and then we'll force you to listen to a really bad podcast for 97 episodes. You know, I've realized something. This doesn't always happen, but we do sometimes. are not always overly flattering towards ourselves. I mean, we're great. It's just, we have to be sure to cover our bases. I mean, I think we're fantastic. Yeah, we go to all sorts of places, like segments about different advice sites. I guess not really advice sites, but instructional sites. Things about lists and some guy named Craig. I love hanging out with Craig. He's gotten some crazy requests. We usually wander around wondering what the deal is with that. Nerdy news. And sometimes we pull over to a specific park. Man, you are driving this really hard into every corner, aren't you? Yeah. Isn't that where we're going now, though? We were going to get there. A trip down to our favorite place, the trailer park.
I wanted to bring to the table the trailer for Thank You for Smoking. I know, it's kind of an old movie. I want your quick knee-jerk reaction from the trailer itself. Would you want to watch it? So for me personally, and since this is a trailer that's very old, it's not always easy for me to say whether or not I would want to see it when in fact I have seen it. And I have seen this movie and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's one of Aaron Eckhart's best films. I actually never saw the original trailer. Someone recommended the movie to me. But after going back and watching the trailer for the first time, I gotta say, it does grab you. It definitely kind of has an indie film vibe to it. And the subject matter, of course, is very interesting. It's obviously taken a satirical approach to what would otherwise be considered some potentially terrible things, especially when Aaron Eckhart describes him and his friends as the Mod Squad, M-O-D, Merchants of Death, because they all represent an industry that can and has been either provided instruments for killing or offers a means physically to kill yourself slowly over time. Oh, man, I was hoping that by Mod Squad, it just meant that they were into modifying existing products, like, let's say, their vehicles or computers. They are big into modding their skateboards, like adding handlebars to it or sometimes making it just two wheels, one in the front and one in the back. Adding thrusters to it. Totally wild. Light shows galore. Underglow lighting. The best modders. I thoroughly enjoyed the trailer, and yes, after viewing this trailer, even had I not seen the film, I could say with assurance that this trailer would have been enough to at least whet my appetite towards the movie itself. I think with the overall cast that they have, especially with a hard hitter like J.K. Simmons, this is definitely one of those films that presents itself as something I would be into. It's got a stacked cast. Just kind of qualifying it. I, too, have already seen it. I saw it 12 years ago or something. Removing all of that and just going off of the trailer, there is something to be noted in it, and that's that this was when movie trailers had shifted over to letting clips of the movie tell you what it's about rather than having movie voiceover guy do it for you. I would say with what was presented, it seemed like a very clever movie. Uh, very dark, which, you know, that's usually my sense of humor. So, yeah, I would go for it. Yeah, I totally agree with both of you in enjoying that trailer. It gave me enough punch and confusion to see where it was going to go. And I liked that the trailer kind of sold the snarkiness, the kind of ironic telling of this tale. It definitely takes a satirical approach. It's primarily, of course, about Aaron Eckhart lobbying for big tobacco and defending it basically at public forums or medical forums. And the reason it's funny is because he is defending cigarettes, which are terrible. They're not great for you. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that they can be damaging to you. And the reason he defends them so passionately, but he defends them smartly. One of my favorite lines in the movie is he's having a conversation with his son about what if you're wrong? And then he says, well, that's the beauty of argument. If you argue correctly, you're never wrong. It's just really funny because he's just so 
blatantly ignores some of the facts that have been laid out to him in favor of pushing this product that ultimately pays his bills. Like he says in the movie, everyone's got a mortgage to pay. I had to do a little bit of date checking, but I thought it was a bit interesting that even though Thank You for Smoking predates this, it came out in 2005, it didn't have Don LaFontaine, who is the notorious movie voiceover guy, doing the trailer for it. While in August 22nd of 2008, Don wound up being hospitalized for a pulmonary embolism and later died from complications resulting of that because he was a lifelong smoker. That's unfortunate. Like I said, studies show that it'll happen. So it's just ultimately a choice that everyone makes. I want to go back and touch on a few things in this trailer that kind of drew my attention. But to warm that up, going back a little bit to your comment, Aaron, about the movie itself. This is the IMDb one-sentence synopsis or description of the movie itself. A satirical comedy follows the machinations of Big Tobacco's chief spokesperson, Nick Naylor, who spins on behalf of cigarettes while trying to remain a role model for his 12-year-old son. That sentence reminded me that you don't get a lot of that story in that preview. You really don't. But I did like seeing the mash of cast members that were in it. Some really great names, especially now, looking back at it. First, you had Aaron Eckhart. You got Katie Holmes. You got Rob Lowe. J.K. Simmons. William H. Macy. There's several others that I probably know are amazing, and I just don't recognize them personally. Sam Elliott and Robert Duvall as well. They might be further down the list, but no, they're both in it. So it's definitely a stacked cast. They've got some great people on board. And that is one thing that always draws me in, even though they're not necessarily going to be big players in the whole show. I like seeing them, and I loved Rob Lowe's bit in there. Oh, yeah. Just sleazy executive. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. When he asked about the cigarettes, wouldn't that make everybody explode in an oxygen-rich environment? I don't know. We'll just use some one-liner and thank God for blah, blah, blah technology. Boom. (laughs) It's like every science movie you've ever seen. They're just like, yeah, just make it up. Throw some words at him. It'll be fine. Rob Lowe just sucks up any scene he's in. He's just so charismatic. He does chew that shit up. He really does. And he can sell anything. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, that whole line sounded like some slapdash GMing. Some game prep. (laughs) What's the term? Deus Ex Machina? Is that what it's called? It's a plot device that is invented to make cohesion and understanding in a film or a story. It is definitely akin to that. Usually deus ex machina, it's more apparent to the plot that it's important that something happened, but there's no explanation for it happening. The writers wrote themselves into a corner. So yeah, maybe if the lighting the cigarettes in the oxygen-rich environment was important to... You know, it is the deus ex machina for the scene he was painting, come to think of it. Right. 
you can definitely tell in that the movie's not trying to take itself too seriously. It's just there to be fun and all that, not trying to muck it up with anything. And also, I think it's satirical from a point of view is it's just a really asinine idea <laughs> to to do that. <laughs> the links are going to try to make cigarettes cool to people is outrageous. And that's part, definitely part of the comedy of the movie. It is definitely part of the satirical comedy of it, because especially looking back at what we were exposed to and how media is constantly selling when you experience a lot of stuff. Just right now, while looking at IMDb, there is this big splash background for some Hulu show that's coming out on FX. Reservation Dogs. I've heard of Reservation Dogs. So that is slapped across the whole background, and I can't get away from it. Marketing, it's in your face. Product placement, bro. Trying to sell you on things. It's everywhere. It's an epidemic. So is there anything else you guys want to bring up from the trailer itself before I take this vehicle we're in and hop back on the highway towards the rest of the episode? Get out of the trailer park. I'm hearing banjos. Yeah. We're done doing donuts in the common area. The only thing I would say, and this is more just for the listener, definitely check this movie out if you haven't. It's delightful. It's satirical. Don't take it too seriously. Just sit down, turn your brain off, and watch it. I disagree. I think there's a lot to pick up from it that, while it does exaggerate in a lot of ways, it does kind of point out some things that are, while exaggerated, they're a little bit in the ballpark as far as what's going on with lobbying. I would say it's a great springboard to try and actually do research into what happens on the day-to-day with policy. It makes it fun and amusing, but a lot of this is in the right ballpark. I painted that incorrectly. It's a very intelligent film as well. It does have a lot to say, and there are a couple of lessons and truths in it. If you find the subject matter offensive, don't let that deter you. This is one of those instances where... Yeah, it actually does paint it in the most palatable way I could imagine. Yes, absolutely it does. That's about all I have to say about it. I will add in one personal enjoyment from this movie. There is never one cigarette that gets smoked on screen the entire film. He almost lights up like two times. But you never see somebody actually smoking. Cue the X-Files theme. This podcast is monetized. Content ID sucks. I wanted to take a second look at something and... I feel like it connects with what's happening currently in the world, as well as something that we always seem to reconnect with in video games. Especially video games that are tied to planet Earth and use something along the timeline that we all know of. Ah, I knew I smelled foreshadowing. It is one of the first interactions that 
Aaron Eckhart's character, Nick Naylor, has in Thank You for Smoking with Rob Lowe's character, who is a movie exec. Is it when they wander into the very last room in a dungeon, find a treasure chest, and then stab it, only to find out that it was indeed a mimic? It's when they open it up and all that it said inside was, it was the friends you made along the way. Hooray for using life alchemy. The best way to make friends. You did it. It is the conversation about getting cigarettes on screen to promote them, to make society look at them in a good light instead of a bad light. The clip that I used is discussing product placement and trying to make it more acceptable or liked, viewably friendly towards the consumer. What has product placement done to you when you're watching TV shows or movies or playing video games where that product placement is either like it's subtly in the background and you might not notice it or it's up in your face, blatant? Yeah, sometimes, especially if it's a sponsor of the property, it could sometimes be very blatant. I can't remember what show I was watching. It might have been Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was still on television. And there was a scene where someone got a phone call and they put their phone up and they put it up in such an exaggerated way. And it was like a video conference call of FaceTime. And I think it was like a Motorola or something like that. It just had big big letters on the phone, Motorola. It was the Motorola talkie. Chirp, chirp. Yeah, exactly. And it was just so blatant. Actually, now that I think about it, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. was, it <laughs> had several instances of that. There's one uh, episode where Patton Oswalt <laughs> uh, guest stars, and it shows him waking up in the morning, and it just shows his face laying on a pillow, and then it slowly zooms out above the bed. And then you just see, it's just all Star Wars sheets, the Star Wars comforters, sheets, pillows. And this was right after Disney had purchased Star Wars. So I saw them like, yeah, we get a Disney, you own Star Wars now. It's them just saying it's a mere matter of years before the Star Wars universe figures out how to time travel forward. Or the Marvel universe figures out how to time travel backwards and they connect. I can give a couple of examples where product placement has absolutely affected me and I purchased the items within a month of viewing them for the first time. And this doesn't normally happen to me because I'm kind of usually very good about seeing through like, oh, product placement. But this case, the way it was presented was very practical and made it seem like something that would be a benefit to me. When watching the television show, The Big Bang Theory, there are a couple of items on that show that appeared. One of them was the Snuggie, which is the blanket that has sleeves. And I just saw the practicality of that immediately because sometimes I'm sitting on a chair but I want to get a beverage, but I don't want to remove the warm blanket for me. So a blanket with sleeves kind of seems like a perfect idea. So I bought one of those. And another one, and this is something I use very often, even now, there is this device called a flip fold where you use it to fold your shirts, like perfectly fold your t-shirts like they would in a department store. I still have that and still use it even today. So those are two 
I don't know if it was like blatant product placement or if it was just items they had on the show, but around the time that those things came out is when they were shown on the Big Bang Theory. So, yeah, I totally bought those things. Yeah, I definitely think there's sort of a brand synergy that's presented to viewers whenever stuff like that is included in a show. It's one of those things where they probably wouldn't include a product by name of something that doesn't vibe well with that demographic. So, like, let's say you take a show like The Walking Dead, you wouldn't suddenly have Pokemon cards show up as a passive form of entertainment. But meanwhile, if you ever go back and watch it, or if you recall any of the scenes where they did have a vehicle, usually the lead vehicle, and I can't even remember what brand it was, but usually the lead vehicle seemed oddly clean, given that it was a zombie apocalypse. It looked mostly intact, oddly (laughs) clean, and usually followed by a caravan of other very beat up, very poor looking vehicles. Don't get these other vehicles, they suck. These Kias, these Nissans, they suck. You want the Chevy Colorado. I don't know. I feel like that's a stronger product placement. Like, Zombie Apocalypse. You go for that Honda Civic, that Honda Accord. Sure, it's not going to look nice, but Apocalypse, bro, it just needs to run. Or you could look at it the other way. In the Zombie Apocalypse, everyone would rather use any other vehicle... And now this is the bottom of the barrel. So few people wanted to use this car that we found it in its in pristine condition. And it's the last we got. You can see the diaper wax rubs as they cleaned it that last time. Still there, held in place by the dust that collected over the top. Yeah, product placement is pretty bad sometimes. I enjoy it when it's subtle. They do a good job of not necessarily throwing it in your face. One of my favorites in just old school subtlety was Reese's Pieces in E.T. I wouldn't call that subtle. That was like right up in your face. That was unmistakable what candy it was. It was right up in your face, but they weren't like Reese's Pieces, Reese's Pieces. It was like we're throwing candy down. Yeah, but it was a pivotal plot point. When I say thrown in your face, I mean... That Coca-Cola can being turned exactly so you can see it and then grabbing it and going, I sure do love Coca-Cola. That's thrown in your face. I'll meet you halfway on this. That was a fantastic example of it working tremendously because I think Reese's Pieces was dying as a candy type until that movie. That brought it back into prominence and relevance. I can't even picture a world where we don't have Reese's Pieces. Well, you can thank Spielberg's creation for that. I think they tried to do a spot with M&M's. It was almost M&M's, but I think Mars Company decided to decline. Yes, based on this website I'm looking at, they have that little subnote saying, Funny enough, Spielberg originally wanted to use M&M's, but Mars declined, thinking the movie would not do well. You know what? That is so dumb. This is after Steven Spielberg has made Jaws. That doesn't mean he's a repeat hit. Yeah, I guess that's true. At the time now, yes, we know it was going to be a hit. When did E.T. come out? Like 83 or 84? I think Jaws was 76, 77. Maybe the same year as Star Wars. 
Jaws came out on June 20th, 1975. 1975, okay, my bad. And E.T. came out on June 11th, 1982. I don't know how many movies Spielberg threw out between 75 and 82, but clearly Mars did not think that E.T., the story, was going to be successful at the box office. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And speaking of losing, one loss for blatant throwing your product out there, I have to say, goes back to the movie The Wizard, where Nintendo got a little bit greedy doing the Power Glove. Oh, it's so bad. It was a bad promo in the movie to throw that out there. Oh, man, it just... So blatant, so not subtle in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know how you guys feel about the Power Glove, but it was not that great from what I remember. You mean that thing that was showcased in the really long Nintendo commercial, The Wizard? Yeah. It was a movie-like Nintendo commercial. And then a hype machine for Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, oh man, can you imagine the kids getting excited for that? There were already Mario fans back then. That would have been awesome. Uh, I never played with one. I mean, it's neat in concept, obviously, as a novelty, but it's incredibly poor in execution and function from all reports I have gotten, whether they're from friends or from actual video game reviewers on multiple platforms. It was a thing that happened. Yeah, it definitely was. That alone could be said about it. But I will give this to Nintendo, and I think we've probably touched on this before on this podcast. I do have a lot of respect for Nintendo for continually trying to innovate and find new ways for players to engage and interact with their games and products. They are always innovating. And as much as The Wizard was the movie that was basically just a Nintendo commercial... I do have to say, they pulled a pretty decent cast from the time. Fred Savage. I mean, yeah, if you had Fred Savage in anything in the 80s, you pretty much made it. Christian Slater was in there, too. Yep, a very young Christian Slater, yes. Fred Savage is an example of an actor that only ever plays one character. They just name him something different. That is also true. His best role was Frog. Although he's billed first on the poster that... IMDB has showing for me, I don't honestly feel like, when I think back, because I haven't watched the movie in a hot minute, he didn't feel like the main character. He felt like the side character, a supporting role that just talked a lot more. But hey, that's me. That is product placement, and I'm going to dig in a little bit further on bad product placement where there's no hiding it. Did you ever watch this movie... Food Fight? No, but I saw enough trailers about it. It was the lewd anthropomorphic food item film. I think actually, Manny, you're thinking of Sausage Party. I am currently watching the preview here. It's woof. The CGI is horrible for 2012. Oh, wasn't it unfinished? Or did it ever release? I know which one you're talking about now. It seems like it released, 
2012 PG, an hour and 31 minutes long. It has a 1.3 IMDb rating. You know, they've got some great people, too. Like, I'm a little surprised. Hilary Duff, Charlie Sheen, Wayne Brady, Christopher Lloyd. Eva Longoria, yeah. Jerry Stiller. They got some people. They got some star power. Sometimes star power can't stay the film. The promotional poster is... Yes, let's talk about this poster for a second. It is the star-kissed whale. Yeah, the star-kissed tuna whale. Twinkie. Uh-huh. The kosher stork. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, isn't he on Pickles? Pickles? Yeah. Aunt Jemima, which... Aunt Jemima. <laughs> we can dig into that completely separately, but that is the... Is it Aunt Jemima or is it Mrs. Buttersworth? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. You can't tell if the label is obscured. But anyway, it's one of those. They're all riding in a runaway grocery cart, being chased by what I can only assume is Scruff McGruff's anorexic brother. And then a woman, does she have cat ears? It is Mrs. Buttersworth. The voice was done by Eddie McClurg. I thought they were going to be stupid and make it Wayne Brady's voice. Like, have a bottle that is obviously female, but voiced by a male. Wayne Brady voiced Daredevil Dan. Now I feel like I need to go see this because of the character names that I'm seeing. Christopher Lloyd plays Mr. Clipboard. That is some intense product placement. I can't even tell who the main characters are supposed to be. Is it the... Weird knockoff mag rough, the crime detective and his what seems much more human like lady friend in the background. Mm hmm. That looks to have cat ears and a fanny pack on, but that could just be the way it's drawn. Or is tuna fish, twinkie, vlasic, pickle guy, and pancake lady the main characters? I don't know. When I look at the IMDb, the names do not match up. Hilary Duff is Sunshine Goodness. Her sister, Haley Duff, or mom, I don't know, Sweet Cakes. Charlie Sheen is Dex Dog Detective. Clearly the background guy. <laughs> yep. Eva Longoria is Lady X. Haley Duff is Hilary Duff's older sister. It's not until I scroll down to the bottom of this list that I see one of the actual names of the characters that are front and center on that poster. Down at the bottom is Mrs. Butterworth, and nobody above that is the names of those guys in that shopping cart. Pure product placement. That is insane. And they're not even the main characters. <laughs> Yo, I'm on YouTube right now to look this movie up. They want you to buy or rent it. They won't let you stream it for free. They're still trying to recoup expenses from creating it. What, in the black hole of licensing that they have? Listen, you can rent it for $2.99 in high definition or $1.99 in standard definition. Or buy it for $7.99 HD or $4.99 standard. Ah, heck no. $2.99? Okay, listen, HD, it doesn't really matter. I give them $3 to own it forever. Based on this preview, it's worth 99 cents. 
Welcome back to the round two of the trailer park. Uh, we pulled a Yui. We're heading back into the trailer park. So, guys, after burning your eyes out for the first time at the beginning of this episode, did that burn your eyes again? What did we just watch? It looks like they blew the budget on licensing all of these mascots and then didn't have anything left. I thought it was going to black out. Licensing the mascots and, like, trying to underpay their voice actors because every one of those lines sounded like it was phoned in. Colin Long Distance, because they don't even care. I don't know how that movie got released. It looks terrible. It's a big no for me, dog. It looks bad. Okay, now understand this. I'm saying this with all the love in my heart. It looks reboot bad. The animation. You remember the old show Reboot? Yes. Now, Reboot looked bad, but it's still good and remains charming because it was a wildly awesome concept back then. And back then it looked very good. But with modern graphics and modern CGI rendering, we just have been spoiled. But this looks to be about the same quality as Reboot. I would like to expand on that statement. Reboot was first created in 1994. 18 years later, somebody decided to go back and steal that 1994 technology and create a movie in 2012. Even better. So (laughs) once the reboot team was done, okay, we're done. And they just all left the office and turned their computers off. And then this other team found it 10 years later in an archaeological find and been these computers. They were like, hey, let's make a movie. Here's what I was thinking is they finished up Reboot and they were like, okay, everybody go home. And then nobody logged out of the computers. And then the people who made this movie just kind of snuck in and nobody had passwords set on those computers. So they just <laughs> used the same tech because they were out of money and needed a way to animate the whole thing. If we're in someone else's building, we don't even have to pay for the electricity bill. Count it! And with that, I think it's time for us to part ways with you. Well, wait. Would you watch it based off of that? That is a nope from me, dog. I would obtain a legally obtained backup of that movie and watch it. If I told you I had bought it already, so you didn't have to pay for it, you would watch it? I might sit down for that to watch it with you for the first time and die laughing because it looks so bad. Maybe it's so bad it's good, but I don't know. I think there might be a steep price to pay if you find out. My sanity, I know. That is a dangerous price. They stood on the shoulders of geniuses to accomplish something as fast as they could. And before they even knew what they had, they patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic, <laughs> plastic lunchbox. And now you're selling it. You're selling it. You just want to sell it. Or differently put, somebody had to walk so that they could terribly face plant and fall down the stairs. <laughs> I hope I'm understanding Aaron's reference. You are. I just quoted Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park. They were so preoccupied with whether they could that they didn't stop to ask whether they should. And you know what they should have done? Walked away from this movie. 
Just like we're going to walk away from this car wreck at the trailer park. And the partial car wreck of this episode. Because you got two trailer parks. And that may or may not be what you like. The double-decker trailer park. That sounds wrong? And I don't know why. The upper-decker trailer park. Got it. Fixed it. It is better now. Well, I guess you'll get an extra trailer park when you flush it. (laughs) And now, because we drove back, we have to stop the gasoline. So, as we walk away from this wreckage and back to the corner of nostalgia and reality, I'd like to thank you, listeners, for sitting through another lovely episode of Banter Banter. Whether you love us or hate us, go ahead and rate us. Hit that subscribe button. If you gotta go out, wear a mask. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Get those shots or boosters. And thank you for smoking. I wasn't smoking, but I might later, so I guess you're welcome. If you're smoking, you better check to make sure you're not on fire. Go join our Banter Banter Cast Facebook page. Share some mic facts with us on Twitter at banter underscore cast, or individually at brogar, C-R-E for Manny, Aaron at 8-Bit Wizard, the 8 is Roman numerical, and me at Mike8Time. That's the number 8. This season's cover art is brought to us by Bobbins and Goblins, and the fourth season intro and outro song is Friends, created by Miracle of Sound. Go check out this and many more songs from the artist.